Hello and welcome back to the Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawks team coverage podcast, formerly known as Hoopball Hawks. We cover everything regarding the Atlanta Hawks. I'm your host, Brad Harden, and I'm alive. Yes, I am alive. It's been a minute. I've been busy, guys. You know what it is, school, work, but school's out for summer, just in time for the NBA Finals as we're recording this game game seven right now of the Eastern Conference Finals uh, between Boston and Miami. So the NBA Finals will take place on Thursday, but school is out for me. And, you know, class is in session when we're talking about the 2022 rookie class for the NBA. We're going to dive here into it. Recording this, as I said, on May 29th on Saturday evening. And I got a great guest here today. You know, he's the get, he's the host and producer here at Sports Ethos of the All Rookie Podcast. Going on four-time father of the year, uh, 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 <laughs> William Harris. Welcome to Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawks, man. You man, you know I'm going to have to give you a grand entry on that one. Yeah, I appreciate it. I love that. It makes me sound like I got four kids, but, you know, other than that, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going by the year, the years. Right, right. <laughs> Great to be back on with you, Brad. You know, I'm a fan of your work, and I can't wait to talk about the Hawks. Man, I, I, I know a lot of people have been waiting for me to talk about the Hawks for a little bit. And just to th- sneak this in before we talk draft, Trey Young, shout out, third team All-NBA. Thought he should have been higher. I thought at least second team and worst, in my opinion. Uh, not trying to be a homer, but third team is better than no team. I'm going to get your opinion on that. I mean, there can be some arguments that, you know, maybe John Morant, you know, you, you could arguably say because Trey Young played more games than John Morant, you could give him second team. But John Morant was special this year and had a lot more highlight plays than Trey Young. So if you're caught up in that, um, it, it is what it is. But regardless, Trey Young is going to get paid for being all team, all NBA team this year. But, Will, your, your thoughts on, you know, Trey Young getting that nod at 13? Well, he definitely should have been on one of the teams. So I'm glad that he made third team. But, yeah, it's debatable with him and Ja. It could have went either way. I think the fact that Ja was in the MVP conversation for a little while there probably pushed him above Trey for a little bit. Yeah. But, you in, know. In the record, in the record, obviously. Right, right, yeah. Grizzlies had a terrific record, you know, way better than the Hawks. Yeah. Second in the West compared to uh, – <laughs> Basically, getting being the last team in and having to win the play-in tournament to get into the playoffs and take on the Heat and get bounced out. Right, right. So I'm sure it was really close because, you know, Trey led the league. What was that, in points and assists? Yeah, points and assists. Right. So, I'm, I mean, I know that was a tough choice. They kind of were a tie, but they probably put Ja over for the uptick in the year that the Grizzlies had. And uh, you being a uh, resident, obviously a rival of ours, a resident of Charlotte Hornets fan, uh, I thought that, you know, um, Bridges definitely had a a great shot at winning uh, most improved player of the year, in my opinion. He had a fantastic year. Anytime he played the Hawks, uh, that man was on go mode, except for that last, except for the play-in tournament game. uh, He's always on go mode. Uh, and I even said on the show when we played them in the play-in tournament that we have to keep him under 20 points. Like, if we can keep him under 20 points, we should win. And this man scored, like, 18 points. So it was like, I know what I'm talking about here. But <laughs> but c- certainly I thought he should have been uh, most improved player, in my opinion. Well, definitely. Josh shouldn't have even been in that category. He already was, you know, almost at that caliber of all-star. So, you know, it it's. We're not used to getting uh, – no, we are used to not getting much in Charlotte, so I wasn't too surprised. But, you know, uh, Miles Bridges, I wish he wouldn't have played as well this year because now we're going to have to pay him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're going to have to. He's a great complimentary player next to LaMelo Ball. Yeah. Um, I hate saying that as someone who covers the Hawks, but, I mean, you you got you to gotta call a spade a spade, and uh, that man is um, definitely the ace of spade. Obviously, the joker is um, – is LaMelo, but it's going to be interesting to see the 
direction that that franchise goes and coincides obviously with where this Hawks franchise is going to go, which is why you guys tune in, right? You you tune in and listen to the Hawks, not about the Hornets. Uh, so we will <laughs> so we will segue there. I mean, the Hawks picked 16th. If you've been li- living under a rock, they picked 16th in this year's draft, which is slated for Thursday, July uh, sorry June 23rd in the Barclays Center up in Brooklyn. And who will the Hawks get at 16? Will they even pick at 16? Will they trade up or down or trade out? Uh, so many questions after Travis Schlenk's comments intending to be very aggressive this offseason. And I would not count um, out, you know, the NBA, like this, the NBA draft as an area where the Hawks would not or not be aggressive at regarding the future of their team. So I'm going to bring up some prospects. But as far as this year's draft, um, how are you evaluating the talent in this year's draft, uh, Will? Well, you know, um, before this season came around for draft season, you know, it was a lot of talk that this year's draft class was not so good. You know, last year's draft class was like epic, one of the best ones we've had in a long time. And they were saying this 2022-2023 class is a big drop-off. If you're talking about top-tier talent, like all-star talent, maybe it's less than last year's class. But the depth in this class is tremendous. And I think this draft is very underrated for as much talent as there is here, there are some diamonds in the rough, you know, and I believe um, it's going to be interesting what Atlanta decides to do. I know you have a theory on what they might do this year. I do. Yeah, I, I do have a theory. I think that this pick may be shocked um, as far as, you know, the Hawks being aggressive and trying to get another star next to Trey Young this offseason. There's been some murmurs around the, the NBA. I mean, I mean, well, obviously, you know, we're still playing this season, so some things haven't come to fruition, and those rumors really haven't seeped out of the various uh, front offices here in the NBA. But, I mean, it, things to look at, and I will be curious if, you know, where you slate some of these players depends on some of these narratives. As of right now, Utah and Toronto do not have first-round picks in this draft this year. And, they, and both of these teams, I know Utah certainly, obviously they've been linked to us in trade conversation, but Toronto, I think – could be a sneaky trade destination, potentially for Rudy Gobert, especially if Toronto decides to move on from Pascal Siakam. I mean, it, we're, we're, I have the Miami Heat on my screen right now. Embiid voicing displeasure in Philadelphia and eyeing Miami, which could be a domino effect this offseason. Uh, my, my Pelicans, New Orleans, will they take someone at eight uh, with the young prospects they have? Or will they trade back or trade to get a true point guard or another perimeter defender, whether in the draft or trade out of get someone to go alongside of Zion, who's fully healthy, CJ McCollum and Brandon Ingram. I mean, the Blazers are in the, you know, Zach Levine sweepstakes and allegedly the Lakers with no money, but a <laughs> lot, of, lot more cap space for the Blazers there. And they have the seventh pick and they have to have, make a decision on Dame extending his contract two more years and getting potentially 106 out of that. Uh, so something to monitor. Obviously, the Thunder. Sam Presti going pressy. He going he going to do what he do out in OKC, out in the 405 there. And Malcolm Brogdon as a hot trade rumor candidate in Indy. So who leads this roster here in Atlanta? I think the likely candidates as far as trade are Gallo, John Collins, uh, DeAndre Hunter has been mentioned. But so many moving pieces this offseason, and we haven't even really entered the offseason. So for when you look at it, where teams are slated. How much does your mock draft position depend on the team situation as far as roster construction and potential steps as far as if they're developing or they, you know, seller or they're trying to contend? And so how does that factor into when you evaluate players and set your mock draft? It definitely factors in um, mainly with the good teams or solid teams and above. For the bad teams, they pretty much need to take the best player on the board. They can't get cute and play around and say, well, we have a decent point guard, this decent shooting guard, da-da-da. You have to get the best player available. For guys like the Hawks, I mean, you guys really are loaded. At, at this point, it's unlikely that anyone you pick at the 16th spot is going to start on your team. So you are in a nice dilemma. I think it's a good problem to have, whether you can trade this and package something or take the selection because even if you keep this pick it is going to be a good quality player that you know could work his way into the starting lineup 
and that's always promising, but I know the Hawks have high expectations for now, and I don't know how long they're going to be patient uh, if they're going to go that route. Yeah, and I, it, it came out, to, you know, this, the beginning of this offseason for the Hawks that, you know, they're not going to, you know, repeat the same mistakes from last year. They're not going to be not, not aggressive. They're going to be actively looking as far as trade partners and they brought in a slew of players. I mean, they probably brought about, I would say, I, if I have to put a number on it, close to 40 prospects in on pre-draft workouts. To uh, and how and how much do you think of that is because of you know you know maybe we'll take someone or hmm, we may be picking for somewhere else. So we want to do our due diligence as far as selling this pick at 16. Yeah, that's really up in the air. It could go either way. Um, I have no idea what the Hawks are planning, but I no would, one does. No I, you one know, does. because I will say, because last year you guys nailed the draft. You probably had the best draft of anyone. If not, either way, you got an A in your draft last year. Mm-hmm. But your team was so quality, your rookies didn't even get to play. So I think you would have that same scenario if you drafted with this 16th selection. Because, I mean, Jalen Johnson, he fell to 20th. But he was a he was a top 12 pick in my book. Um, so now you're going to have the 16th pick. I think you're going to be in the same boat unless you're, um, you know, trading someone or benching Kevin Herter. Maybe um, it's going to be rough uh, to get some minutes, like I said. So it's going to be. But, you know, I love John Collins. I love Trey Young. I think those two and probably Onyeka and Kongu. I think those three guys should stay on your team no matter what. If you want to trade somebody else, trade somebody else. But I heard you mention John Collins is on the market. How do you feel about him leaving? Because I love John Collins, you know, as a fan from afar. Yeah, I don't want to trade John Collins either. Like, But his contract is very friendly for anyone's books. I don't think he gets utilized as well as he should here in Atlanta. I agree. With uh, yeah, he he's kind of relegated to a spot-up shooter when – He's so much more. He's explosive. He can, you know, he, he was really good at offensive rebounding and almost a double-double potential guy when he was coming into the league. And, yes, he got better at the three ball, but I hate just relegating him to the top of the key to just set screens or corner three, which he has gotten better at hitting that corner three and hit some timely corner threes in his short career here in Atlanta. But if we're not going to utilize him to the best of his ability – and we can get value for him, then why not move him? That's just my uh, thought process there. But certainly by no means do I want to move on from a player like John Collins, who is well-liked. But there are things that if we can improve defensively at that position or a position that's going to have to guard the perimeter, and we have to move off of John Collins or Gallinari, who is non-existent um, <laughs> as far as perimeter defending and potentially interior defending as well at times, uh, then we, we're going to have to do what we got to do. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and I do, I got to bring up a trade rumor I heard with you guys that's been brought up. I heard um, Clint Capella could be out and some way y'all going to try to make a package to get DeAndre Ayton. How would you feel about that? See, I, I like, I like DeAndre Ayton, um, him playing with Chris Paul these last two years uh, and getting used to that role would be great for DeAndre Aiden, who, you know, can can fill it up around the rim and has gotten better as a finisher. Uh, he even got better as a defender under Monty Williams in Phoenix, uh, committing to that aspect. Uh, getting an upgrade at the center position with DeAndre Aiden in youth, um, and as well as availability, he's been pretty, you know, knock on wood, durable so far in this early part of career. But I saw some nicks and knacks there that I... It's the first time of me hearing this rumor. Maybe I'm uh, not as plugged in as I usually am, but I I wouldn't mind it because I said that Carl Anthony Towns would be a good fit um, here. So why would yes? Be yeah, yeah, I'm not gonna be greedy. I'm not gonna be greedy. And then, and then I did see the playoff series. I'm like, eh, I'm walking it back in a little bit. But but DeAndre Ayton certainly I think would be a great fit here in Atlanta, especially playing with Chris Paul, who I think Trey Young has more similarities to Chris Paul than Steph Curry as far as in his game early on. Um, I think it'd be a good fit. 
I mean, if I'm on here saying that we need to go for Rudy Gobert instead of De uh, Donovan Mitchell, then why wouldn't I, you know, accept DeAndre Ayton here in Atlanta? Mm, I love Donovan Mitchell, so I can't agree with you on that one. But <laughs> I, I mean, but it, the only thing about not winning Donovan Mitchell here in Atlanta is defense. I mean, if you want to get better at defense. That's true. With Trey, and, you got to yeah, consider yeah. that when you have Trey. I got you. I mean, I saw a picture on Twitter that was saying, like, the defense for the Hawks, the perimeter defense with Donovan Mitchell and Trey Young, and it was like a gate blocking the sidewalk, but the grass <laughs> on the side was open. Like, that was <laughs> – basically, it's like, hey, it's like pass 200, uh, the pass go collect 200 like a monopoly. Like, it, they they saying that, you know, our defense is like that guy that y'all see – on the gifts where the dude's doing security, not even touching the guy, people for any good, oh, yeah. <laughs> just, just passing them on. Uh, so that's why I'm not big on Donovan Mitchell coming to Atlanta. But Rudy Gobert will certainly be an upgrade as an interior defender uh, from Clint Capella, more durable than Clint Capella. And obviously, I think DeAndre Aiden may be a cheaper option compared to Rudy Gobert, which is why a potential signing trade could be appealing there. And who knows? Who knows? I don't know who. Um, who the Suns would want. Maybe they take Jalen Johnson uh, to replace Jay Crowder eventually in that role, but I don't know. I, I would like to move, but I would need to see what pieces are on the board as far as a trade centering DeAndre Ayton on Atlanta side. Uh, well, you know, speaking of that, I have a guy in mind for Atlanta at 16, that might would help you guys out with that, but I'll let you lead the show. Which way you want to go? Oh, no, 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 because <laughs> because I was going to ask about Nate McMillan and your rookies and how you feel about that. But you know what? I want to I want to hear what you got at 16, because it's going to lead to our conversation about all the players that I've uh, researched as well. All right. Um, I want to hear who you think you guys are getting. You want me to go first or you want to tell me who you have in mind? Tell me who you have in mind. Um, I want to hear your guys and then I'll tell you who I got for you. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to say the guys, I've written up pieces on each of them, but uh, in no particular order, I've seen a lot of, I've seen him in a lot of mock drafts, I've watched a lot of them, Tari Eason would be a wonderful fit at 16, um, yeah, yeah. Obaji from Kansas, if he happened to fall down, would be a slam dunk at 16, I don't think he'll fall to 16, I think he's going to be closer to 12, 11, 10, uh, but, I mean, you're the expert there, so I will defer to you on there. Uh, EJ Liddell has been around in that area. Mark Williams has been down in that area, center from Duke. Uh, Ty Ty Washington, guard from Kentucky, has been in that area. Kendall Brown from Baylor. Uh, Branham from Ohio State. Uh, Bochamp, Bochamp from the G League. Jalen Williams from Arkansas as well. These are some players that have been – it's a mix of guys that could potentially fall to them at that 16 spot or they brought in for workout. So I, I put out a slew of players. I'm going to see who you projected and then we can compare and contrast and talk about some of these players that I listed. Well, you did a great job because you named the guy, one of, <laughs> you named a guy that I have for you mocked at 16 and that's Ochea Agbaji. And you know, ah, okay, yeah, yeah. So, so you clearly think that'll be a great fit because you think he's going to go higher than that. I think he, uh, I think like around the eight to 16 range, there's a lot of shooting guards that could go in any sort of order. So he could go 10, 12, but he also could go 14, 16. And that's mainly because of his age is 22 years old. And, you know, guys these days with the draft, they all want babies and teenagers. You know, 18, if they ain't 18 or 19, they think something's wrong with them. Yeah. Uh, so I could see uh, Oche slipping to 16. And I think he'll be a perfect fit for you guys. I think he could pass Kevin Herter in the lineup. It may take a year, um, but he could easily do it in the midway through the season. Uh, he's a 3 and D guy. You know, he shot 40% from three. So he, you won't lose anything on offense. And I think you'll gain on defense. And he has an NBA body. He's ready to go from day one. So I think that would be a great fit. Another guy you named, Ty Ty Washington. If you don't take Oche, I have Ty Ty as a good second option for you guys. And that's Ooh. only if you don't believe in Sharif Cooper. I don't know what your team feels about Sharif Cooper. He killed it in the G League. Um, is he going to get a chance or are you just giving up on him after one year? And that's a very interesting question. I think the fans want him. He's a fan favorite being from the Atlanta area. So they want to see 
uh, Shreve Cooper play. They anytime he's in a uniform for the Hawks, um, they're like, yeah, we got to get him in, we got to get him in tonight, we got to get him in tonight. And obviously, people were kind of clouded because as, as excited they were to see the rookie play, they were not giving Delon Reddick, Delon Wright credit until it was too late in the season, in my opinion. But certainly, uh, Sharif Cooper, he had, he can make all the passes. Um, he can finish around the rim, especially for being undersized. Uh, him must just continue to be a better game manager and getting those turnovers down, which is something that we were hoping that reps in the G League could help him to slow it down when he gets to the big stage and be a really good backup point guard for the Hawks. But Ty Ty Washington, I thought the same because of his ability to play on ball and off ball. Now, I think he needs to get better at playing on ball personally, but the man can flat out score. He has ability to facilitate. He's a guy that plays at his own pace. Great decision maker. Um, shot 35% from three in college, averaged almost 12 and a half points per game. Uh, almost had four assists to steal a night, 75% free throw shooter. Kind of, kind of, he's a better shot making, decision making version of De'Aaron Fox. If, if I'm making a comparison, but I've also seen some comparisons to a really good long time point guard in the NBA and Andre Miller, um, as far as for Ty Ty Washington, because uh, because he has the ability to shoot, he can, he can guard multiple positions, great off ball mover like Andre Miller was, because he did have some catch and shoot ability there, has strong instincts, and I said that he needs to improve being an on ball defender, and because he is you know shorter and doesn't have the explosiveness uh, like some of the other guards like a De'Aaron Fox who can play above the rim. Uh, he, he may have some trouble in the league shooting over defenders and needs to improve from three-point range. But I like Ty Ty. Um, but when we're thinking about improving the perimeter defense, um, I think Obaji is a slam dunk if he falls down there. I mean, I, I, you yeah. even said it. To me, he, re, he reminds me of Andrew Wiggins with a better jump shot. Uh, he kind of has some flashes of Jalen Brown. But it's funny. I've also seen people compare him to Desmond Bain, who was a player that I coveted last year coming out of the draft. Or the year before, I'm, I'm getting the years mixed up. Well, coming out of the draft when he came into the league, I covered him, and he had been a steal for the Grizzlies, which we saw this postseason. But just having that size, that wingspan, the ability to shoot, I think he translates to being a really good defender here in the NBA because he has, you know, the size, the active hands. He needs to get a little bit bigger in the in the pencil. But one thing that I would like to see Obaji improve on is some scouts question his basketball IQ and motor. Um, and, you know, he has the intangibles to be a really good NBA player. I don't know about an elite starter or maybe a one-time all-star like a Wiggins, but he's certainly going to be a guy that is going to get playing time. I mean, and, and we can talk about this finally. David Millen just for some reason doesn't have to play rookies. He's kind of like Tom Thibodeau in that regard, but I feel like Obagi is a guy you just have to play. I just do think that he has that ability, you know, maybe not day one, but like Let's say January, it's making make a shake up in the lineup. And you said potentially pass Herder. Um, how quickly do you see him making an impact in the NBA? Will it be like uh, Emmanuel quickly, or slowly, you know, you know, cooling off that ice heart of Thibodeau down and finally say, hey, let me play this rookie? Mm-hmm. Um, or I mean, is it going to be another Jalen Johnson situation? Right. And, and you know, it, it depends on the team. If he's going to Atlanta, it could take longer than if he was going to, you know, a bad team. You know, uh, I can't even think of a team that needs a shooting guard. I would say OKC, but who knows what they're going to do. <laughs> but, um, no yeah, one does. And, you know, you guys have Bogdan Bogdanovich and Kevin Herter. Bogdan gets hurt a lot. You know, Kevin Herter, hit, you know, he's not really consistent. So, it, but still, you know, we're mentioning guys that would have to earn their spot with Oche and Ty Ty. So basically, they're coming in as a backup. And at the 16th pick, I think other teams would value the 16th pick as a player that would be a starter for them. So, you know, as good as these prospects are, I think it probably would be in your best interest to package them and, you know, try to trade for a player that's going to be a guaranteed starter. Yeah. And I'm with you there. Um, now, some of these other players I mentioned, I know you're thinking more perimeter. Um, I watched a lot of this guy being a fan of this team, and they hear they know about they know about me. They know my fandom with this team. I really like Tari Eason at 16 potentially as well. 
Um, I, I've seen some comps to Marcus Morris here in the NBA, which is not bad. I've seen OG Ananobi as well. Um, what is your thoughts on Tari Eason? I actually have him going 12th to OKC. You know, I think they're missing uh, small four slash power four for them. So if he makes it to 16, that would be great for you guys. You know, he's a very aggressive on offense and defense. You know, he can he has a nice handle. He can play in the paint or the perimeter. He can shoot the three as well. Uh, he's strong, but he has a nice touch. He loves that little up and under finger roll in the paint. He's not really a polished yes, player. He does. Right, right. But he gets everything done. You know, uh, he draws fouls very well. Good rebounder. And like I said, he can play the three or the four. So if he falls to you guys, yes, definitely go ahead and take him. I don't know what that would do for, you know, like we said, John Collins, Jalen Johnson. He's kind of going to be in that position area where it's difficult to get minutes. But, um, yeah, I, I like Tari Eason a lot. Yeah, and, and to your point, uh, I think the difference, I think why Hawks fans would take a license, a t- liking, sorry, I can't talk, mm-hmm. to Tari Eason over John Collins because ability to put the ball on the floor. Like I've seen Tari Eason time and time again get the ball to the top of the key, work to his right, and finish through traffic. Um, he, I mean, his – and another staggering thing is because he wants someone who's, you know, good defensively. The man is a menace in the defensive end. I mean, per 100 possessions, he averaged two and a half blocks and almost four and a half steals per 100 possessions. Like the, His offensive rating is 119.2, which would put him, you know, amongst the elite players in the NBA. Uh, if that translates, obviously you're going to have to knock down several points, but translates to a really good offensive player. But his defensive rating last year at LSU, he was 82.2 the entire season. Like the man is great, you know, jumping and passing lane, has great instincts. Uh, getting steals and then finishing in transition. He's, we lack a guy like that. I mean, Cam Reddish was that guy, but, I mean, consistency there and between the years, in my opinion, led him to be out of Atlanta. But Tari Eason would be a great fit next to Trey Young, and I'm glad that you mentioned it too. I just wanted to get a chance to talk about Tari Eason because I watched him all this year. I've been telling a lot of people about him. You know, I, Will, I've been telling them, like, man, y'all need to watch, you need to watch that sixth man for LSU. Who? He's your sixth man. I'm like, yeah, he's our leading scorer. He averages 18 a game as our sixth man. They're like, what? And then the man was, I want to say, honorable mention All-American as a sixth man on, on a tournament team. Um, and, and now we're talking about him being potentially a 12th pick in the NBA draft. Um, he's a guy who people are going to get him on this team, on their team, and they're going to really like him. He can continue to improve, and he has that dog in him, which he does. He needs to work on decision-making, not fouling. Um, but Tari Eason is, is is a dog. For sure, for sure. Um, yeah, you, you said it all right there. <laughs> Let me see. I'm, I'm going to ask your opinion. Um, I mean, you mentioned Capella potentially being gone, uh, per improving um, interior defense. What do you think of Mark Williams from Duke, uh, the 7'2 center, 242-pound uh, uh, with a 76 wingspan? Uh, what do you think about Mark? I really like Mark Williams. I have him going – I guess this is wishful thinking. Wishful thinking. Uh, thirteen to the Hornets. It's been talked that he could be moving. You guys could use them. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. You guys right? could definitely use them. Right. So, I mean, y'all have two good centers in Atlanta. If y'all want to share one of those, I mean, we'll take whatever. <laughs> so. wait, 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 wait. Which two? Which two? I need to ask first. Well, Clint Capella, Onyeka Kongwu. I'll give you Clint. <laughs> I'll give you Clint. <laughs> hey, we'll take it. We'll take it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you probably could get one of those uh, picks we have for Clint, too. So you can get both of them. I'm fine with that. But, yeah, <laughs> Mark Williams, you know, he averaged 11, 7, and uh, three blocks at Duke, 20 years old. ACC Defensive Player of the Year, very aggressive big man, strong finisher at the rim. In my opinion, I like him better than Jalen Durant. You know, I'm one of the few people that have said that, that I've seen say that. Everyone loves Jalen Durant. But I like my – uh, centers that can play offense and defense, you know what I mean? And uh, three blocks a game, you can't beat that. Great putback dunker. You know, he plays – most centers that have a post game are not fast and athletic, but Mark Williams is. I mean, it's rare in my opinion. You know, he has that seven-foot-seven wingspan, nine-foot-nine-inch reach. It's ridiculous. How are you going to score on that, you know? <laughs> so uh, if yeah. he just – He's very good defensively. He can create his own shot. Can he create his own shot in the NBA? 
that's the only thing that's going to make him go from good to great. So we will see. He ha- There's no reason why he should not be able to do that. So I love Mark Williams. Yeah, and as we're, as I have the uh, Eastern Conference Finals now, we've been seeing the impact of Robert Williams um, for the Celtics, uh, especially, you know, the game where he was not playing, you know, Bam went crazy. Uh, but, you know, Robert Williams is a disruptor, and those are diamond dozens now in the league uh, that is going more perimeter, you know, oriented. The shop alterers in, you know, the Gobert, so even though a lot of people, you know, make a lot of jokes about him, wee wee and all that and uh, COVID. Um, his defense is not a joke. His impact is not a joke, which is why I, I just kind of just scoff at some Hawks fans that say, no, nah, Donovan Mitchell is who we need uh, from Utah. I mean, like, you're focused more on offense, but if you want to get be better at defense, those guys are the guys that you look at. Um, but um, a couple of other prospects, uh, since we're already talking about bigs, what do you think about Jalen Williams from Arkansas? Oh, my God. I'm glad you asked. I love Jalen Williams. He is one of my favorite prospects. I mean, I'm, I'm, you will never find anyone that has him as high as me in my mock draft. I have him going ninth to the Spurs. Um, ninth? Ooh, yeah. Spur- oh, that would be that would be a good landing spot for him. I agree. I think so. You know, they surprised everyone last year taking Josh Primo. I think they'll do the same this year with Jalen Williams. You know, he's a versatile big man. He passes like a point guard. You know, he's a great outlet passer. He has tremendous vision. Mm-hmm. You know, always finding the open or cutting man. It sounds like I'm describing a point guard. This is a 6'10 big man, 240 pounds. Average a double-double for the season. He can shoot the three. Um, you know, great athlete. Very good defensively, good switcher on defense. And, I mean, he could stay with guards, driving to the lane, and, of course, guard the big. So, I love Jalen Williams. I do, too. I mean, I mean, even though he was on a rival team uh, from LSU, Jalen Williams is, a, is is an impact player for sure. And I'm pretty high on him as well. And I've seen some comps to Bobby Portis, but when you look at his film, who do you compare Jalen Williams to? I don't even know if I have a comparison. I mean, like when you think of that pass, a big man that passes like that, you think of Jokic. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to be Jokic, but uh, this is promising how good he is with his court vision and playing in the paint and the perimeter. I mean, it's rare that you see a guy that can do that and still shoot threes. It's, Jokic, I mean, right? Yes, I, I agree. <laughs> and definitely a more explosive athlete than Jokic. So right. um, it would be – he would be a, a nice piece next to Okongu, uh, which I'm excited to see what he does and grows in his game this offseason. He told Travis Schlank, when I come back, I'm having a jump shot. Um, so uh, – but Jalen Williams already has some of those, you know, things. He's a little bit more polished in some regards than – I mean, obviously, he had the luxury of playing a couple of years in college on Michael Yeku did the one and done, but right. certainly an intriguing prospect there. Um, I have another question. There's a, a guy who the Hawks are bringing in uh, from the G League, Marjan uh, Bochamp, uh, guard forward uh, for the G League. What do you think of him? Oh, I really like Marjan. Uh, I have him going 22nd to Memphis, and that's, that's Ooh, not— <laughs> that's— no, I want to, uh, David David Williams. If you listen to this, do not do not take that to heart. That's just too much. That's too much <laughs> on the perimeter. Y'all y'all hoarding them all. I mean, I'd be great I know, if, they right? go, if they let go of Dylan Brooks. I mean, I I wouldn't mind that. Right, right. And they're kind of like you guys. They're stacked at every position, so they just got to take the best player on the board. In my opinion, I've ranked Marjan Bochamp higher than this, but um, I you know I the way it seems that things are going, it seems like he's gonna fall in probably that. 18 to 25 range and so I figured you know Memphis will be the first team that would be able to use his services um, you know the 6-6 G League Ignite guard average 15 and 7 uh, his only knock really is he shot 24% from three so you're going to yeah. want to get that up and I'm sure it will you know um, most guys in this league can improve on their three-point percentage they have great three-point shooting coaches out there nowadays so um, that's why all these big men are shooting threes now. So he should be fine, but he has great size, super athletic. He can take over a game, create his own shot. He's a big-time scorer, great cutter to the rim. It didn't hurt that he was playing with Dyson Daniels, who always put him in the right spot. But, you know, he's a crafty, smart player. 
He can play in the post or perimeter. Had three 20-plus point games in a row. And, I mean, you got to remember these G League Ignite guys are playing against grown men and, uh, you know, guys that are in the NBA. So yeah. it's even more impressive that he's doing that against competition that is technically better than college. I, I 100% agree. I, I like a, I like his game to me. And I kind of saw it when I watched him, he kind of reminded me of DeMar DeRozan a little bit. I mean, he kind of reminds me of DeMar that. DeRozan. Um, um, do you see someone else in this game? And there's a, there's a second question off of what you said that we're going to get back to, but I'm going to ask about this comp real quick before I ask this question. I hadn't thought of that. I didn't really have a player that I compared him to, but that is a good one right there. You know, I might know a thing or two, uh, but um, <laughs> but 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 Dyson, is the hype real? I know his stock continues to go up. I see a lot of articles written about him. Dyson Daniels, uh, the G League prospect. Um, how do how do you feel about him? I think Dyson Daniels is being pushed up in this draft because of it started with Lamelo Ball, and then that transitioned into Josh Giddy, and both of those guys have flourished in the league. And now Dyson Daniels is the son of those two. And he can do the same type of thing. He's like a little bit in the middle. You know, LaMelo could shoot. Josh Giddy could not. Dyson Daniels is somewhere in between there. And, you know, he has great size, great rebounder for a guard. His vision is ridiculous. He's a crafty finisher in and around the paint. And he shows flashes of greatness. So with that size as a point guard, I mean, teams are going to be salivating over that. I have him going eighth to the Pelicans. Yeah, I've, I've, me looking at draft stuff for the Pelicans, I've seen him fall in there, uh, and I know they desperately need someone to potentially be a point guard and continue to get better on the perimeter, and I think uh, Dyson uh, fits both of those um, prerequisites, in my opinion, uh, so I, I like your analysis there. Uh, a couple of other guys, I'm going to just throw them out there because they're guys that have been tied to the Hawks in some drafts or are coming in and working out. And I just want to quickly get your thoughts on them. Uh, EJ Liddell, I'm going to throw him out. They're both of the Ohio State prospects, him and Branham. Um, your thoughts on those two players? Okay, EJ Liddell. Do you like EJ Liddell? Um, EJ Liddell, I like his game. Um, I do. He kind of reminds me of, in the comp that I saw was um, Eric Pascal. Um uh, and obviously he's uh, from the St. Louis area, so I got to show love there from Belleville across the river. Um, 6'7", 243, so big body with a 6'11 wingspan, can score at all three levels, defend, rebound, like the players with a back-to-basket. But, like, he's a tweener. I mean, he's – I mean, I feel like he could potentially come in and be a Grant Williams-type player um, because, you know, playing, you know, a bigger position than – what is called for in the NBA, but has the skill set to guard those players and can continue to get better there and find a role on a really good team. Well, I ask you because a lot of people have him, seem to love him. They have him in the first round, you know, the lottery. I don't even have him in the first round. I, I don't think that's going to work, <laughs> to put it plain. Um, you know, six, seven. And, 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 and I don't disagree with you because right. I've seen some mock drafts that have them in the second round. So I don't think it's that far fetched. OK, I hadn't I hadn't seen that. I've seen a lot of guys that are high on him. But, yes, I have him. You know, it was a guy last year uh, from Georgia Tech, Wake Forest. I can't remember. They were the same color jerseys. But uh, Moses Wright. <laughs> <laughs> and he did, I was really high on Moses Wright. He didn't even get drafted. And in my opinion, he was better than EJ Liddell. I mean, Last year's draft was better than this one, but he's just not a special player in my opinion. He could be a decent or a role player. Yeah, and that's what I was that's what I was pegging him to. Right, right. That's so that's what I feel about EJ Liddell. I could be wrong, but <laughs> I don't know. I, I, if he was taller, yeah, if he was taller, yes, right, his game right. would be perfect. He's six nine, six ten with that skill set. Yes, I I one hundred percent agree. Him being undersized will be a tough sale. I do agree. Right. Um, but what about his teammate from um from Ohio State, Brandon Branham? All right, I love Malachi Branham. Uh, he's one of my favorite players in this draft. In my mock draft, I have him going eleventh to the Knicks. Uh, as far as my big board, I have him going. He's my sixth 
best prospect in this draft. So that tells you I really love Malachi Branham. Uh, the 6'5 shooting guard from Ohio State averaged 14 points and three and a half rebounds, two assists, almost a steal per game, shot 50% from the field. In my opinion, he's the perfect shooting guard, has a tremendous shot, can drive, pull up, spot up, hit every shot on the court. He's deadly from three. I think he can be a starting shooting guard in the league right now. Very polished and smooth player. In my opinion, he looks like a young Ray Allen. So, Mm, you got him at Ray Allen. Uh, I have uh, I have another comp for him. I have uh, uh, an alum of Ohio State as well. I have him as uh, Chris Middleton. Okay, I can see that because the the three point shooting is so good. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, and his his spot up shooting, you know, shooting off screens. I can. I see. I and, see a little. I see a little Brad Beal in him also. I do as well. I mean, he's an intriguing prospects. He he has been brought here to Atlanta for a workout, um, but certainly would check some boxes there. Um, if he okay, can. I have a question for you. I'm not trying to interrupt your prospect. No, oh no, yeah, no, no. <laughs> I've already gone through all my prospects. This. Yes. Right. I have to ask you this because. I think who you draft is very dependent upon this player on your team. How do you feel about DeAndre Hunter? Is he your small forward of the future? Is Could he possibly have his job overtaken? How do you feel about DeAndre Hunter? I love I love the intangibles. I just don't love his durability. Um, he, he, he's shown flashes. I mean, he was basically the most consistent scorer in that Miami series. In a series where offense was almost non-existent because the Miami Heat defense snuffed us out and stomped us out, and you know basically did us like Melvin did Baby Boy um, <laughs> the entire series. But um, he sh- he he shows flashes. He shows flashes on the offensive end where sure. okay, if if we give him the green light to get to the basket, he can finish up the basket and let his inside game create for his outside game. If he can play like that, I think he's a mainstay here in Atlanta. Um, and he's all he's he's a really good def- he is a really good defender. Now there's times where I think he had some injuries that held him back and made him look a little weak on the defensive end at times. So his future, um, I mean, we go back and forth as you know he's untradeable to uh, well if a team's calling for him. I know Utah really loves him. Um, we'd be willing to move on from him. So I'm really I'm really up in the air. Uh, it, it just depends on the day. Just like with a lot of yeah, with a lot of Hawks yeah with a lot of Hawks fans down here it depends on the day with how they feel about these team this team and these players <laughs> yeah okay I just had to ask that because that depends on who you guys are drafting also if you're unsure about him small forwards like Marjan Beauchamp could easily be brought in to compete for that role so good to know yeah and um, but Obaji I think we both agree that Obaji would be the dream case scenario here for the oh, Atlanta Hawks for sure. Yeah, I, I, I watched uh, his film and was just like, well, yeah, like, I, I, I'm not afraid that he's played four years. Um, I think he'll come in and be, you know, seasoned. Um, he's going to make, you know, the, the best decisions and the right decisions uh, because he's played team basketball at a high level in a, in a great program in Kansas um, for several years. So I'm really high on him personally. And I know I didn't talk about second round. Um, Curious, because this is a guy that I've seen in the second round in the mock draft tied to us. Uh, how, how do you well, how do you feel about Johnny? And I don't want to butcher his last name. Buddy from U, UCLA. Is it Juzang? Juzang? Oh, Johnny Juzang. Yeah, yeah. I love yeah, Johnny Juzang. Juzang. I, I think uh, he could have came out last year. Uh, he put his name out in the hat for coming out last year. And he heard he was going to be a second round pick. So he went back to school. Had another good year. Uh, if you guys can get him. That would be a tremendous get. I think he still is a first-round talent, but no one else seems to think that. <laughs> I thought he was a borderline first-round talent last year, but no one else seemed to think that. But, I mean, he's a perfect shooting guard slash small forward. You can basically – I mean, think of Chris Duarte last year mm-hmm. uh, with a little bit of a Clay Thompson-like upside, if he could reach that. Um, that's Johnny Juzang, in my opinion. 
Yeah, and I, I've seen people just say he's going to be purely a shooting, a shooter perimeter scorer in this league. Uh, they don't know how much value he will add defensively. I know some people say he's going to be uh, Duncan Robinson esque. Um, I, I don't want to, you know, disrespect him that much. So I was curious to <laughs> your 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 things that for him to improve um, upon coming into the NBA. Yeah, well, you know, pretty much every uh, player has to improve on defense. So I agree with that. But people also have to remember, Duncan Robinson got paid a lot of money for just being able to shoot a three-point shot. But I think Johnny Juzang can do more than that. It really depends on the team, the fit. I think he would be perfect for the 76ers, you know, who lost Danny Green, probably be out for next year. But, uh, yeah, he – you could say his floor is Duncan Robinson. I think he can be much more than that. Okay. All right. Yeah. I I I just wanted to get your take because I saw that and saw him tied to Atlanta in the second round. I was like, yes. Yeah, let me ask Will when he come on the program. Uh, yeah. But I is there? Uh, so is there anything that else that you want to add? Um, any player that you know you want to just flex and say, hey, watch out for this guy. Um, I know I was high on Desmond Bain and look what he's done. In this early part of his career, looking really great, um, a great complimentary piece next to John Morant and per- probably the person that's going to, you know, make sh- make it easy to boot Dylan Brooks out the door uh, with his flopping self. But um, mm-hmm. who's, a, who's a prospect that you, you have your moment here, you know, before you promote all that you got going on? And I thank you and I want to just go ahead and thank you again for coming on tonight. Uh, short notice talk you know, drafting Hawks, but who is the guy that you want to say, you know, you already hear first, this is the guy. Well, you know, this might not be my guy guy, but I, I do love this player and I'm bringing him up because you love Tari Eason so much. Uh, I think if you haven't heard of Michael Foster, you should definitely look his tape up. You know, he, he probably would have been a top 10 or a lottery pick if he wouldn't have went to the G league ignite. Um, but, yes, he played on that same team with Dyson Daniels, Marjan Bochamp, all those guys. Uh, he's a 6'9", power forward, averaged 15 points, nine boards, two assists, one steal, and two blocks per game, and shot 31% from three as a power forward, has a seven-foot wingspan. I don't see why he's not talked about more. I've seen second round for him. That makes no sense to me. He's If he's not the best power forward in this draft, he's not far from it. And I think he he was interviewed and he was asked about going to the G League. Did he regret going there? He said, no, he learned a lot and it made his game better. But I really think it hurt him. <laughs> it may have helped the other players, but it hurt him because he still played great. I mean, he dominated NBA players in the G League. It's no reason that he's not a lottery pick, in my opinion. So I just have to give Michael Foster some love. Uh, another guy never talked about, Jordan Hall, 6'8", point forward, whatever you want to call him, from St. Joseph's. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, he's the closest thing to Kay Cunningham in his draft. Kay Cunningham, mm-hmm. incredible, right? Yes. First, first pick in the draft. Jordan Hall is considered a second-round pick from everything I've seen. I do not understand it. Um, he's a top 15 player, in my opinion, in his draft. Um, he can do everything that he's he can he can reach the ceiling of Jason Tatum. <laughs> you know, he can do all that stuff that Cade and Jason Tatum can do. He just went to St. Joseph. So I don't know if that's the reason why people don't believe in him. But I mean, his playmaking is incredible. His vision is incredible. Passing skills. And he could have came out last year as well. He went back to improve his draft stock. He performed well at the combine. So. Love Jordan Hall and Michael Foster. Those two guys I had to give some love to. And you heard it here first. Uh, you are write it down, you know, hold him to it. I'm going to let Will give a chance to, you know, talk about his, you know, podcast, which is a great podcast here at Sports Ethos, and give you a chance to say, man, you were right, or man, what the hell? So, Will, <laughs> tell them how they can follow you and what all that you got going on for this great program for us. Oh, yes, Brad. And I also have to say thank you so much for having me on. Anytime you need me, I'm here. You're my guy. Uh, We've done shows in the past, and Brad's always been a great guy. So you have a great host here of Sportito's Hawks. 
very knowledgeable, uh, and it's my guy. So, but no, I host the All Rookie Podcast. If you want to find me on Twitter, it's at William is Bill. Uh, you know, and I cover everything rookie. You know, a lot of guys talk about the rookie class, the draft, and everything, and we get so enamored by these prospects. And then once the draft is over, we forget about 90% of them. So throughout the season, I continue on covering these guys, everyone that's a rookie throughout the whole season, because a lot of these guys play significant roles in the NBA, and if not the G League. So a lot of these guys will be role players on your team, contributors, starters. You know, Herb Jones was a second-round pick last year. So he's yes, a guy. Yes, he was. Yes, made, sir. You know, the all-rookie team. So it's, it's the hidden gems, all that. I'm covering the rookies all season long. So check me out. Apple, all that. The all-rookie podcast. And, guys, please give your support to Will. You know, you, I mean, someone has to do it. It might as well be him to track these rookies throughout their first year in the NBA. And he is the one that's going to see – all right, I'm high on this one. I'm high on this one. Um, this is the direction that this player could go. He is seeing it all. I uh, like the watcher on what if. So, you know, <laughs> give I, I give this man the credit. And obviously, obviously, you know, a lot of those G League games that you don't want to watch on Wednesday nights uh, that pop up, uh, he's probably watching them because he's looking at the progress of these rookies and whatnot. So um, I, I got to give credit where credit's due. And you know, the Skyhawks. Yeah, and, and, you know, I've gotten on Brad all year. I, I love Brad's rookies that he's just got in a G League wasting away. Stop being so selfish, Brad. Get hey, your- man. Hey, man. You got to <laughs> talk to Nate McMillan. You got to talk to Nate. You got to talk to Nate. A lot of fans want to have a conversation with Nate in general. Um, but in, in that regard, you're you going to have to talk to Nate. All right. All right. <laughs> yeah. You're going you gonna to have to talk to him. But if you love what you heard today, Give us a five-star rating. Give us a great review. Share it and tell everybody about the hottest new podcast covering the Atlanta Hawks here at Sports Ethos. You know the drill. Share it with fellow Hawks fans, NBA fans, Georgia sports fans, basketball fans. It does not matter. Put them on to my show. and Follow us on Twitter at Ethos Hawks. That's at Ethos Hawks on Twitter. And follow myself, Brad Jarrett67. That is Brad, J-A-R-R-E-T-T-6-7. And as I'm ending this program, the Boston Celtics have won the Eastern Conference and are going on to the NBA Finals to take on the Golden State Warriors, Warriors and seven. Um, just want to throw that out there. Who, who you got, Will? Who you got? Yeah, I, I think you got to go with the Warriors. It's too much firepower. Too much firepower. And, in uh, six. Warriors in six. Warriors in six. <laughs> Yeah, wow. Yeah, I, I'm still. I'm, I mean, obviously the program needs to end, and Will has to go back to, you know, being the reigning, you know, three time going on four time father of the year champion. Um, but wow, that Jimmy Butler tweet on that he, I don't know why you will pull up and do a three in transition, you know, down the stretch like that. I just don't know. I don't know why you would do that. But here it is, the Celtics going on to take on the Warriors. They got to try travel out to the Chase Center which we'll see them game one on Thursday. I will be all eyes and ears. I'm sure Will will be. I'm sure you will all too. But just know that I'm back for my hiatus, and we're going to be talking a little bit more draft and other rumors that's going to circulate here in the offseason. So we'll catch you guys next time here on Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawks. Peace.